0: here today because you live and we are here today because you have a word on high from us. God we pray for your anointing right now on the preparation the proclamation of this word. Anoint our ears, anoint our hearts, anoint our lives that we may live according to this word your will in Jesus name. Amen. I'm delighted to see all of you this morning on this bright, crisp Sunday morning. Amen? Amen? Isn't it wonderful to get together with God this early in the morning? Thank you so much, Brother Michael Deacon Small, for the music. I mean, just such up, uplifting music. And it's wonderful to share the rostrum with the associate pastors this morning and the great cast of deacons and all of you, my brothers and sisters in Christ, God is good. And I was up early this morning, Sister Pickett and I, just talking and, and working and talking about the goodness of God. I think we went back to bed maybe one or two o'clock and got up early this morning, just excited about being here. And I hope you are, too. Yeah. I want to just look at two verses of pass- of the passage that uh, Pastor Harris read in First Samuel chapter 30. And I'll ask you to, if you open your Bibles, to keep your Bibles turned. Therefore, we will be um, continuously referenced in these verses. But verses 7 and 8. Then David said to Abathar, the priest, Ahimelech's son, please bring the ephods here to me. And Abathar brought the ephod to David. So David inquired of the Lord, saying, shall I put this tr- pursue this troop? Shall I take them? And he answered, him, pursue you shall surely overtake them and without fail, recover all. I want to preach the second sermon in in this uh, series entitled, Finding Hope When Things Seem Hopeless. Finding hope when things seem hopeless. Last time we left our friend, David, he had just returned to, to Ziglag and he discovered that the city had been burned to the ground and that his wives, along, along with the wives and children of his men, have been taken away. And, and, and the men were full of grief and they were full of anger. And they talked about stoning David. But then the Bible tells us with all of this going on in David's life, with all of this disappointment, with all of this pain, this grief, even with the threats on his life, the Bible says that David strengthened himself in the Lord. David strengthened himself in the Lord. And one of the ways David strengthened himself in the Lord was by simply remembering the past. That is, remembering what God had already done for him and what God had already brought him through. For example, several examples, in the past, God had saved David from a lion and a bear, even when he was a young shepherd boy. And, and David couldn't help, I believe, but look back and say, God, you brought me through this. Yeah. Yeah. And and then not only that, but 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 in the past, God sent the prophet Samuel to anoint David as the second king of Israel, 1 Samuel 11 and 13. And get this, now David had to have this lodge someplace in the corridors of his mind, resounded in the corridors of his mind. Since dead kings don't rule, David must have realized that God was not through with him yet. God had made him a promise through that anointing that you're going to be the king, but David had to think about that. Since dead kings don't Ascend the throne, God, you must not be through with me yet. So I know a lot is going on, but but it ain't they over with yet. Yeah. Yeah. He brought me through this. Yeah. And he brought me through that. Yeah. Right. Yeah. In in the past, David had taken down Goliath. You remember the story? A nine-foot giant from Goth, David took him down through the power of God with a sling. And a rock, and then and then and then David defeated the Philistines, and so much so until the women began to sing his sing his praises, saying, Saul has killed his thousands, but David has killed his tens of thousands. In other words, David had to remember that God has brought me through this yeah. and he brought me through that. Yeah. God, I'm so grateful. I know that you will carry me on. Amazing grace, right? How sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I was was lost, but now I'm found blind, but now I see. But there's another verse in there that says through men dangers." danger. Yeah. He's talking about the past now through many dangers. We have some folk here that served time in Vietnam through many dangers. Some folk s- spent time in the Gulf War through many dangers. Some of you have been in trouble in your life, but through many dangers, toss and snag. I have already come Tis God's grace that has brought me safe. This far, God's grace will take me on. David had to think about what God had done for him. In the past and I tell you if you need you need to encourage yourself in the Lord when you get down and things don't look good and it's raining in your life it's storming in your life just remember what God has already brought you through and I tell you like David it will encourage you and so the journey continues and in verse seven David said to Abathar the priest, Ahimelech's son. Now, it's interesting because Abathar, the priest, connected with David along with the other 600 men when when he was running for his life because his father had been killed by by Saul. Saul killed a bunch of priests. And this young man escaped. And so Abathar, uh, David uh, asked him, please bring the ephod here to me. And Abathar, the priest, brought the ephod to David. Now, the ephod was a vest like undergarment worn by the priests. And it represented among many things the availability of God's counsel. And you can read about that more in the 28th chapter of, of Exodus, uh, uh, what, uh, the details of that ephod. Now, now, therefore, when David called for Abathar, the priest, to bring him the ephod, David was calling for the priest to set before him A visible and tangible representation, a visible and tangible reminder of the availability of God's counsel. That's why he asked him, he said, I I want you to bring me something that represents the availability of God's counsel. Now this was especially important to David at this point in his life because David had messed up bad. He had messed up bad because, because of his enemy Saul who was pursuing him and trying to kill him. David had messed up bad by aligning himself with the enemies of God and the enemies of Israel when he connected up with Achish, the king of the Philistines, and sometimes the pressures of life will will tempt us and try to push us to move and connect yeah. up with yeah. folk who are no good for us. And that's what David did. When he felt betrayed by his his f- family, when he felt betrayed by his friends. He connected with the enemy. He messed up bad. And there is no record of David. Seeking God's guidance before he connected with Achish. And I'm sure had he sought God, God would have told him, David, that's not where you ought to go. David, you don't need to go there. I know things look bad and you need some help, but you don't need to go to Achish. And there's no record of David seeking God's counsel in this matter. So now he here he is. Achish and the Philistines have kicked him to the curb. His wives and his children as well as the wives and children of the men who were following him have been taken away and his men are talking about stoning him. David is hurting. David is confused. David is shocked. David is under serious duress. He wants desperately to talk with God. Is there anybody here today who has been under some serious duress? Is there anybody here who realized that you have not done all that you needed to do? And maybe you're in the situation you're in because you did not consult God and did not follow God. And you really needed to talk to God. You really needed to hear a word from God. But David was right there. He was at this spot. He really needed to hear a word from God. So he says in verse 7 of the text, to Abathar the priest, Ahimelech's son, please bring the e-fold here to me. I need to hear from God. And I need a visible reminder that when I'm praying, God will hear my prayer. Footnote, if you've trusted in Christ as your Lord and Savior, If you know that you have been born again, if you know for yourself that Jesus has borne your griefs and carried your sorrows and that he was wounded for your transgressions and bruised for your iniquities and the chastisement of your peace was upon him and by his stripes you have been healed. If you know that the communion table represents his shed blood on Calvary's cross and in so doing shedding his blood, he washed away all your sins past, present, and future if you know for yourself that he was buried and rose on the third day of Sunday morning with all power in his hands you don't need an ephod Uh, You don't need any other tangible object or any other person to represent the availability of God's counsel in your life. Why? Because when you've got Jesus, you've got God's omnipotence. Here, you've got his all-powerful ear. When you've got Jesus, you've got his omniscient ear. You have his all-knowing ear. When you've got Jesus in your life, you have his omnipresent ear available 24-7. He never sleeps. He never slumbers. He never takes a vacation. He's never too busy. He's never unavailable, never inaccessible, and God is always on yeah, wow. land. Now notice in verse 8, so David inquired of the Lord. Yeah. Now, now this just got me here. All week long I've been, been dealing with David Inquired of the Lord. And, and I did deeper investigation because there was something about that word inquired that it just wouldn't leave me alone. Yeah. So David inquired of the Lord. That means that David not only wanted to hear a word from God, Amen. but that David had a made up mind to put that word into practice. Yeah. Help me some That's what it means to inquire of the Lord. He was not only asking for information, he was seeking God for transformation. He was not only asking God for for knowledge, he was saying with a made up mind that God, whatever you tell me to do, I'm going to follow through. You see, it's one thing to go to God and ask for his counsel. It's something else to, to put God's counsel in the practice. That's what James talked about when he said, be ye not only hearers of the word, but doers of the word also. You see, it's more than coming to church and hearing what the word of God says. It's walking outside those doors and doing what the word of God says. Can I get a witness here? David inquired of the Lord saying, shall I pursue this troop? Shall I overtake them? David wants to know from God, shall I go after this raiding party? Will I catch them? Will I be able to overtake them? Notice God's answer in verse 8 of the text. Pursue, for you shall surely overtake them. And without fail, recover all. Oh boy, that, that, that ought to excite somebody. That ought to encourage. David got up. David was encouraged. In other words, God promised David, go ahead with the attack. You will certainly overtake them and you will be successful in your venture. Now, like the prodigal son, David is back on the right track. For instead of trying to map out his own strategy, connecting with Achish and the enemy, instead of trying to map out his own strategy of dealing with the complexities of his life, he is committed to allowing God to lead him. See, because when he inquired inquired of God, he said, God, I want to know from you what it is you want me to do. And then when I find out what it is you want me to do, I'm going to do it. So instead of trying to map out his own strategy of dealing with the complexities of his life, he's committed to allowing God to, to lead him. You see, up to this point, David. Uh, had schemed himself into a relationship with a pagan king. He had been depending on the protection as well as the pr- provisions of Achish and the Philistine army. He had been plotting, he had been planning his own course of action. But where did that get him? It got him to a point of losing his wives. It got him to a point... <laughs> of his men losing their children. It got him to the point where the men who were loyal to him at one time and who were following him all in at one time, they had now lost confidence in him. And not only that, it got him to the point where those who had at one time surrounded him and committed to protecting him had turned on him and were talking about killing him. David had been rebelliously living life his own way only to find out that his way was not working. There's a lesson in this for us. The lesson is no matter how smart we are or how smart we think we are, no matter how much education we have or how many degrees we have, no matter how high we climb the ladder in private industry, corporate America, the military, the field of entertainment, athletics, or any other human venture, the bottom line is this. If our lives are out of line with the word of God, out of line with the will of God, and out of line with the ways of God, they will eventually produce misery inevitably generate failure inescapably breed dissatisfaction and ultimately bring us face to face with ruin and we see it all around us every walk of life people have rejected God for their own way and it has brought them to ruin or it may seem at least for a while that we're riding high living long balling and shot-calling, but after a while, by and by, the day will come when it will all blow up and it won't be pretty. Now, mind you, David had come to the end of himself. Like the prodigal son, he had come home. He realized that all his plotting, all his planning, all his programming, all his maneuvering, all his wheeling and dealing had gotten him into the biggest trouble of his life. So now he's at the end of his rope, willing and, and ready to put into practice the words of the hymn writer who wrote, Wherever he leads, I'll go. Wherever he leads, I'll go. I'll follow my Christ who loves me so. Wherever he leads, I'll go. It may be up on the mountaintop, but Lord, I'll go. It may be down in the valley, but if he leads, that's where I'll go. Wherever he leads, I'll go. So he inquires of the Lord in verse 8, saying, shall I pursue this troop? Shall I overtake them? God, God, tell me what you want me to do, and I'll gladly do it without question and without hesitation. Is there anybody here today who is willing to say, Lord, just tell me? what you want me to do. I've been trying to do it my own way, but just tell me what you want me to do, and I'll do it, I won't question you. I'll do it, I won't hesitate. I'll do it, I'll go all the way doing what you've called me to do. How many of us have found ourselves in a situation like David? Without inquiring of the Lord, we took matters in our own hands. Without inquiring of the Lord, we were building our castles in the sand. Has anybody been there? Maybe we spent our days singing, singing the words of old Blue Eyes himself, Frank Sinatra, I did in my way. And, 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 and maybe we danced our night away to the lyrics of bad boy Bobby Brown, who sang and twisted and turned and twitched to the words, it's my prerogative, and I can do what I want to do. Maybe without inquiring of the Lord, our God, we, we, cons- we, we considered what we thought to be the, the girl of our dreams. Uh, for you ladies, you considered, you found the guy of your dreams. And without consulting God's wisdom and God's counseling, God's advice, we politic, played the game and applied for and got the job and the career of Dreams. We purchased the house of our dreams, began living the life of our dreams only to have those dreams turned to nightmares because they were self-motivated yeah. instead of God's motivated. Yeah. Self-motivated yeah. instead of yeah. being God-initiated. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I think we all have been there. Yeah. Truth be told, and we are ashamed to tell it, we all have been there. It was all about us and what we wanted instead of being about God and what God wanted. And then like David, we break down and inquire of the Lord. Some of us not just ask God, what would he have us to do? But but God, tell me what you want me to do and I'll do it. I tell you, that's a good point to come to. That's a good place to be. It's a good place to get to the point in our lives when we say, God, I throw my hands up in the air. I surrender all. Just tell me what you want me to do, and I'll do it. I'm tired of doing it my way. I'm tired of living life my way. You tell me what you want me to do, and I'll do it. Oh, what a great day. Oh, what a joyful day. Oh, what a happy day when we say, Lord, I surrender all, whatever you want me to do. Yeah. Verse 8 for the answer, God gave David. Verse 8 says, and he, meaning God, answered him, pursue, for you shall surely overtake them and without fail recover all now notice verse 9 begins so David went isn't that sweet isn't that, after all this man had been through after all the disappointments, after all the flopping and floundering and failures God was right there for him after all he had been through the Bible says David went. In verse 8, David seeks God's counsel. But in verse 9, David obeys God's counsel. How to find hope when things seem hopeless? The answer is simply obey God. That, that's it. Obey God. Do whatever God tells you to do. Do whatever it takes what to make any sacrifice you need to make, but just obey God. For when we obey God, the text reminds us that he will work everything out. But David was trying to work it out himself, living in disobedience. But when he turned to God. He learned a valuable lesson that God will work everything out when we obey him. Now notice the turn of events when David decides to follow God's plan instead of his own. I'm trying to help somebody here. Verse 9 continues. So David went. Get this now. this This just jumped all over me this week. He and 600 men who were with him. That, that ought to be messing with somebody right now. That, that ought to be messed. Notice what he says. Say, so David went, verse 9. Get this now. He and the 600 men, 600 men who were with him. Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Yeah, somebody still ain't getting this. David went. And the six hundred men went with him. Oh, wait, 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 wait! Y'all gonna make the preacher work this morning? Did you get that? In verse six, while David was still operating in his plan, when he was operating in his plan, the men were grieving. Oh, the lights coming on now. In verse 6, while David was still functioning on his agenda, the men were angry and disappointed in him. In verse 6, while David was running his program, when David was in charge, when David was running things, or so he thought, in, in, in verse six, when he was doing his own thing, his own way, operating in his own prerogative, when he was singing, "I did it my way," the men were talking about killing him. Ah, oh, somebody said, "I see it," but now, help me, somebody! Oh. David changes his mind and gets with God's modus operandi. All right, he gets with God's mode of operation. And all of a sudden, his men, his men, those who were talking about stoning him, his men, those who were upset with David got it right with God. His men got right with him. It was David's son, and I know I read this, and, and the Spirit told me this. David taught his son this. It was David's son, Solomon, who pinned these words in Proverbs 16 and 7. Solomon pinned, when a man's ways please the Lord, he makes even his enemies. Be at peace with him. In other words, just do what's right. Here's the point. Here's the point. I'm, I'm trying to close now. I know we got communion. Here's the point. When we inquire of God, When we listen to God and when we obey God, he has a way of working all things together for his glory and our good. It might be in your family. It might be on your job. It might be health related, but it works. God helped David's men to look beyond their grief. He got in their lives and caused them to look beyond their anger, look beyond their resentment, look beyond their frustration. Look and see that David was not the real enemy. David was just a scapegoat. And in actuality, David was the anointed king that God had chosen to lead them to victory. But they couldn't see it when David was walking outside of the will of God. But what he got once he got in the will of God, it opened up the eyes of his men, and they could see we need to follow David, not kill David. Help me somebody. You see, there are times life can 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 throw us a curveball. But when such is the case, when things seem The text would remind us, just do what God says do. Just go with God's plan for your life. Just keep your hand in God's unchanging hand. Verse 9 reminds us that no matter how hopeless things might seem, God has a way of turning all things around. He can turn your marriage around. He can turn your family around. He can turn your wayward children around. He can turn your health around. He can turn it around and around and around. Every time I look around, he keeps on blessing me. He can turn it around and around. God will, verse 9 tells us, take care of you. God will work everything out.